Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Wow. Wow. Just just another incredible show here today on Animal Radio. I hope we have enough time for all of this. I think you've overbooked once again. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> We're going to be talking to Rick O'Berry. He was the trainer of Flipper. Remember Flipper? Oh, yes. They call him Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. Flipper was so... Flipper. <laughs> We have one talented vet here, let me tell you that. Flipper and, of course, Bewitched. Bewitched I watched until Darren changed. When they changed Darren, I was upset. Yeah, that was odd. That That was very odd. Uh, But to see this uh, dolphin do so many things, so many tricks, and just be so well-behaved was incredible at that time. But Rick O'Berry, who's the trainer of dolphins and Flipper, has changed his tune. And he's, uh, he's actually a very anti-training type of guy right now. He's yeah. trying to release dolphins that are under trained situations in, in captivity right now. And we'll talk to him in just a few minutes. He's got to be, how old has he got to be? I don't know. Probably in his 70s, I would Probably. Guess. Still very active, I understand. You, you know better, don't you? He, I, I follow him. He's, I admire the man and what he does. Well, we'll talk. I to think him. if you have a passion like that, you follow it, and he's he's really done that for animals in captivity, but especially dolphins. And and it's not just dolphins in captivity; it's the way that those dolphins are uh, taken captive. And like he said, he used to, you know, he's been a part of those dolphin drives, and now he goes out. And um, he wasn't a part of, like, the Japanese Taiji dolphin drives. But that is where they actually go out and capture capture the dolphins, and in in unspeakable ways and um in all aspects of of saving dolphins and in advocating for them and speaking for them if you can uh that's what he's doing but you know it, it's those it's that cruelty that is just unfathomable that he has taken on as well well i'm intrigued by the fact that this is a guy who's made a career and made his millions <laughs> training dolphins and how he's mm-hmm. changed his tunes mm-hmm. so we'll Find out what that's all about in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, Robert Semro with the back-to-school blues for pets. Yes, your pets can get the blues when the kids go back to school. And this this is a big deal, and Robert's going to be talking about it in just a few minutes. We're also having a guy who cooks for animals. He has the pet restaurant, Mark Ching, and he's going to tell us, hopefully tell us how to get Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, to lose a little bit of weight uh, Dr. Debbie's been on her case about this for the for the last couple of months. Yeah, she's a little bit overweight. Yeah, just a little. It's like the carpenter's closets or the shoemaker's shoes. Yeah. You call us for advice, but yet we still have an overweight dog here. And, yeah. But we're working yeah. on it. We're, we're Hopefully it'll be better. Uh, it's just keeping her out of that cat food. Yeah. <laughs> How much do you think it costs for you to raise your pet through its lifetime? We're going to tell you today on the show. And you're going to be shocked. Yes, the average cost of what it costs for a dog, a cat, a tortoise, a bird, a chicken, if you have any one of these animals or planning to get the animals, we'll tell you what the average cost is. And we'll also tell you how to figure out the actual cost that you will spend on your animals uh, through an interactive tool we have posted over at our Facebook page. Lori Brooks, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? 
Uh, got a ton of stuff today, and it's all fun, uh, most of it. Um, the uh, number of people who are allowed to take their animals to work has increased. Good. And with that story, we're going to tell you about a toy poodle who has a Napoleon complex and terrorizes <laughs> his workforce. Don't right. most toy poodles have a, a Napoleon, Napoleon complex? complex. Yep. Okay, that's on the way. But first, your calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. Let's go to the phones, Doc. Okay. And let's go to Carmen. Hey, Carmen, how are you doing? Oh, just fine, just fine. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Bowen Park. Bowen Park? California. Oh, Baldwin Park. Baldwin Park, California. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's going on? How can we help you? I've got the doctor here and Joey Villani. The thing is, is that I wanted to know, okay, my son, he experienced a stroke. He's in the hospital. Would that affect his dog? Because uh, his dog, his name is Data, and he's doing some weird stuff now. What's he's he doing? Never, he's never pooped in the house. Okay. And now that he, my son's in the hospital, that's what he's doing. Mm, he's got a okay. backyard outside, and it seems like every time we let him in, he wants to do his mess in the house. And I don't know, and my daughter doesn't know how to react towards that. We don't know if we have to spank him, scold him, put his nose in it. Okay. Just, now, is he, is he eating and doing his normal things in other ways? Uh, yeah. Yes, he is. Okay. And is this poop normal? That's the other important thing. Is it normal or is it diarrhea? Uh, it's both. He's got his okay. good days and his bad days. Okay. Because that's always the first thing, is if we have a dog that has abnormal poop that is making a mess in the house, you know, we have to really look at the possibility that there's something medically going on there. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be an important thing. So, But let's just say for argument's sake that his poop is completely normal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is possible that because, you know, especially if your your son and his dog were particularly quite close, that his absence is leaving him with some anxiety. And that can present in a lot of different ways. I have uh, clients who have extended hospital stays where their dog won't eat um, and a family member struggles to get them to try to eat food or that the pet is depressed and um, really doesn't move around the house much and just pretty much sleeps all day. So we definitely can see whether it's, you know, a short-term short depression or in the event where, say, you know, someone dies in the household, that they can go through mourning. So a lot of those psychological things can definitely happen with animals. It's just kind of the individual and how it expresses itself. So with something like the, the, the pooping in the house, I, again, I'd say the first thing is to make sure, get the dog evaluated by a vet, take a poop sample, and make sure there's not some health problem there. Okay. Um, the next things from there I would do is I, I would definitely make sure we keep his diet consistent, um, that we're not changing it up since your son's in absence. Um, and that's an important thing because changing the food can also cause some, you know, GI irregularities. Um, okay. But, but, but really, even I would make sure we accompany him to go outside, um, almost like he's an infant a puppy. <laughs> we want to you know, go out with him and provide that positive reinforcement when he does do the bathroom in the right spot. So he gets some sense of, okay, yay, I'm doing something right. Because um, he doesn't understand the situation, and he, he may be feeling like he's getting punished. So in answer to your question, the worst thing you can do is discipline him for booping in the house. That's only going to make things worse. So I would just ask you not to do that but to look for those opportunities to praise him for when he's doing it in the right spot. 
And it's going to take extra work on your part to make sure he's um, supervised and uh, just kind of uh, keeping an eyeball on him. And the other things I recommend for dogs that are either mourning or depressed due to changes in their household roles and situation is to kind of stick to what they know and keep that routine as close to what your your son was doing when he was home. You know, make sure he goes out for his walks. He gets his normal playtime. Um, you know, that he does those things and that we provide for him as close as we can. Because if he's normally used to, say, going to the dog park or going to friends or going for walks, if he's not doing that, yeah, I get depressed too if I don't get to go to my you know, regular social dinner out with my gal pals. Um, so those are important things for keeping that routine. And then, you know, there's other things we can try. There's some uh, things like the pheromones, the dog scent hormones that can have a nice calming effect when they're under stressful situations. And those are in collars and diffusers. And there's even, a, I carry a product at my office now called Soliquin, which is a kind of a natural supplement that helps pets with all sorts of anxiety situations. So sometimes travel, sometimes noise or firework phobias. But it, it's something that might even help him kind of during a time when he's feeling a little anxious and a little bit upside down in where his world is right now. Okay. So. But other than that, he's, you know, what he acts, he acts himself, you know, he doesn't, you know, I feed him at the, regular, the same time every day. I give him mm-hmm. his water, you know, okay. and I play with him ball, but it's just that. He's never, when my son was okay, you know, he never did that. So it's, to me, that's out of the ordinary. It is, yeah, yeah. And, you know, depending on, you know, what your son's health situation, if there becomes an opportunity for a visitation, that can help both parties tremendously. And most human physicians recognize the power of animals in our lives to help us Uh heal ourselves. So, um, you know, that would be good for both parties if that could even be arranged at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my best wishes to you, Carmen, for, for your son's health and and for his dog as well. Um, so I hope everything works out okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks for your call, Carmen. Toll free from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download that puppy right now and ask your questions away. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. And now today's really funny story. Innocent bystander? I didn't know dogs could drive. It's the Wayne West Virginia Walmart and employees on a break when a car starts inching towards her. Instead of screaming and running the other way like I would have. She assumed the driver maybe was messing with her. Until she saw a dog behind the wheel. What do you think, thoughtful innocent bystander? Dogs can be your best friends. In this situation, they can be your enemy too. (laughs) The car crashed into the front of the Walmart. Another dog in the passenger seat pushed the car window down to say hi. The owner left her car running so her dogs could stay cool while she was shopping. The dog knocked the car out of park. Innocent bystander, what's the first thing you'd think if a car was coming at you being driven by a dog? I would laugh for sure, and then I'd be like, oh, wow, dogs can drive. Am I the only one who would run away? This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you. Well, Animal Radio was underwritten by Red Barn. That, of course, is your dog's favorite treat company. Now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings because your dog loves meat. And, well, you know, Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. That's RedBarn.com with the promo code ANIMALRADIO. 
And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your or airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and this is where we celebrate the connection with your pets. And uh, Judy is running around with her hair, pulling her hair out because she's... We've got so much. We've got a lot planned right now. She's a busy lady. She is a busy lady. i got a schedule to keep. We've got lots of phone calls. The phones are ringing white hot. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Mark Ching. And he is uh, the owner of the pet restaurant. He has recipes. He's uh, telling you that you should cook for your animals. And I tend to agree with him when I see all these recalls of our food. Oh, what was that? Plastic, melamine, whatever it was. That was food? years ago. I know, but still. I mean, you just don't know what's going to be in the food. Yes, and you know what? I think there's stricter regulations for human food, so it's just sure. better to cook sometimes. I don't do it a completely 100%, but I do bring some of my, uh, I don't want to say table food, but food that I've cooked that I know that is healthy to my dogs and mm-hmm. cats. Uh, green I don't beef. cook for you know, myself, I guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't have time to cook for myself. I just find it hard to make that time for my animals to cook. And yet you're the healthiest in the studio here, even though you probably spend half your life in drive throughs I'm putting the cookie aside. Yeah, you're not seeing it. <laughs> but you're swigging your diet Pepsi now. So uh, we'll find out what he has to say about all of this in just a couple of minutes. Also, Rick O'Berry next hour will be joining us. He's the trainer of Flipper. And uh, apparently, I guess there was like five flippers. You remember flippers? If you don't remember flippers, ask your mom. Yeah, ask your mom (laughs) about flipper. And uh, he's changed his tune. We'll talk to him in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, Robert Simro with the back to school blues for the pets. Yeah, it's possible that your pets are getting the blues because the kids are going back to school and they don't have all the attention that they used to get yeah, from the kids. all that outdoor activity. Either that or the, the really small dogs are celebrating. Yes, because they get more attention. More it's, attention. The house is quiet. quiet. Oh, yay, they'll be back to school. Yes. What are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Well, you guys were talking about, you know, dog food and some, you know, some of it not maybe being so healthy. Well, there's a, a new study done that they found some of the chemicals in commercial dog food is having a bad effect for dogs that are used for breeding. And they think that this could follow into the human area as well. So we'll share that with you. This is a sperm study. Is that correct? Well, you know, I was trying to. (laughs) How cool. (laughs) That's on the way. Yes, it is, Hal. It's a study of sperm, and I'm going to share it with you. Okay, that's on the way. Also, how much does it cost for your pet for an entire life, for their entire life, 
I'm going to let you ruminate on that for a little while. Think about that, and I'll tell you the answers coming up. How much do you think it costs for that dog that's sitting right next to you for their entire lifetime? And I bet you're wrong. That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. But first, over the last few weeks, we've been talking with the experts cloning pets for well, I think over a year and a half now here in the U.S. In fact, we have Melaine Rodriguez with us today. Hi, Melaine. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Very good. So you've been talking face-to-face with, I would imagine, hundreds of pet owners. Yes. What is their reaction when you talk about genetic preservation and cloning? Well, the response is amazing. Uh, I was just recently at a pet expo, and I had the opportunity to speak with lots and lots of wonderful pet parents about our genetic preservation and cloning services, and the response that we get is just incredible. The look on people's faces when they hear what we do, and their their first reaction, I think, is, um, this is too good to be true. Is this real? Really? You're really doing this? So um, it's great. It's great to really educate and inform pet parents about it because it's something that they're all interested in. The majority of the pet parents that I speak with have no idea that this technology is available per, for pets. And so we're talking about not only genetic preservation, but cloning. And those are two different things, right? That's, that's absolutely right. So the first step to cloning is what we call genetic preservation. And that's just preserving cells now from your pet that can be used for cloning at any point down the road. So you may not clone your dog or cat today, um, but you can preserve the cells now and save them for some time in the future when you're ready to do that. And the most common thing that I hear when I'm telling people about our services who've never heard about it before is they say, oh, I wish I would have known about this before because I had the best dog ever who just passed away last year, and I wish I would have known about it. How long can you save DNA? The cells that we store can be saved indefinitely. You could clone with these cells decades from now. Wow, okay. Can you get genetic preservation from ashes if an animal has already been cremated? We cannot, and that's another really common question that we get is, um, you know, can you can you clone from ashes? I have some fur. Could you clone from fur or whiskers? And I wish we could, but unfortunately we can't. It has to be living cells that are cultured from living tissue samples. So it's got to be done with a tissue biopsy that's done by your veterinarian. I have a question, Melaine. Um, so what about, like, the opposite side of things here? I mean, obviously there's a lot of good that, that we found comes through this, but what about people that might might be worried that this is like experimenting on animals and that there's um, somehow animals might be injured in this process? What what can you tell somebody about that? Yep, and, and that's definitely understandable because any pet lover is going to have those concerns. Are, you know, are the surrogates treated humanely? How are they treated? And I'll tell you, um, we're a company of animal lovers, every one of us, and the surrogates, um, every pet, every animal that's involved in this process, every step of the way is very special and treated with the utmost care. Melaine, thank you so much for hanging with us today. You're very welcome. Y'all have a great day. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. After a long day of chasing that frisbee, there's nothing better than wrapping your paws around a cold bottle of dog beer. That's what Terry Berendin, a pet shop owner in Holland, thought, so she created a beer for her wine moraners. Berendin consigned a local brewery to bottle her non-alcoholic dog beer and named it Quitzbelbeer. Quitzbelbeer is a Dutch word for wagging a tail. The beer is made from beef extract and malt, and although it's fit for human consumption, she's marketing the beer for dogs who need a break. 
from uh, taking naps and wagging their tails and eating and playing with dog toys. And I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Oh, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. According to the Society of Human Resource Management, 7% of American employers now allow pets to come to work with their owners. So that's up 2% over the last five years. Not really an overnight change, but it is a change in the right direction for pet parents and for healthier workplaces, where pets, of course, are known to drastically change things for the better for their humans. Uh, For example... At North Carolina-based Replacements, this company makes and sells fine dining ware. And of the 400 employees who work there at Replacements, about 30 of them bring their pets to work every single day. Can you imagine that? That could be your typical bull in a china shop scenario, but they say it doesn't happen there as they have never, ever had a case of a pet breaking anything. Humans, yes. Pets, no. Meantime, a study at Virginia Commonwealth University a couple of years ago measured levels of cortisol in workers' systems and found that people whose pets came to work saw a decrease in stress throughout the workday, whereas those who didn't have a pet at their office saw their hormones increase. So pets at work are a win-win situation. But it's not to say there aren't problems with it. In the case of Buchanan Public Relations just outside of Philadelphia a while ago, Lacey, this Rottweiler mixed dog, was terrorized by a toy poodle named Romeo. Romeo, being a toy poodle, was very tiny and he had a Napoleon complex you know, we're being so small. But instead of canceling the pets at work policy, the owner of the company hired a dog trainer there to sort things out. So Romeo ended up working with the trainer, gave up some of his treasured territory, and workplace harmony was restored and everybody was happy. I love it. I do too. Uh, sperm quality. 
got your attention there, in <laughs> dogs, right, sure. has fallen rapidly over the past three decades. And they say that's a trend which could help explain the decline in human fertility. The finding was highlighted in a study by the University of Nottingham that found a potential link between environmental contaminants and fertility after they discovered chemicals in commercial dog food that seemed to have a poor effect on sperm function. The research team collected semen from as many as 97 stud dogs every year for more than 26 years. They found that sperm motility declined by 2.5% each year between 1998, or rather 1988 and 1998. And then the decrease slowed down a little bit, about 1.2% each year between 2002 and 14. Now, some experts say the study begs the question, does a similar effect happen in human male fertility because of the chemicals we eat. Researchers at Nottingham believe their study might help explain the reported significant decline in human semen quality. For decades, the Forest of Stone Museum in central China has been a hugely popular tourist destination for people there who wanted to see its collection of ancient stone monuments. But recently, the courtyard at the museum has become the main attraction as visitors began posting pictures of themselves visiting with a family of stray cats that had taken up residence in the museum's courtyard. The museum was planning on catching and giving away the cats, you know, doing the good thing. After complaints, though, that one of the cats had scratched a small child who was trying to play with her, that uh, that plan was put on hold. Now, once internet users got wind of the plan to get rid of the kittens, the museum's page was flooded with angry comments. Some people threatened that they would boycott the museum if the cats couldn't stay. Others pointed out that the cats were one of the reasons that they were in fact planning to visit the museum anyhow. As one poster noted, cats don't attack people unless provoked, so it's humans that need to keep themselves in check. <laughs> so, luckily, for the cats and their legions of fans over there in China, the museum has had a change of heart, of course. After seeing the outrage sparked online, they have announced that the cats will be allowed to stay. In fact, now they say they will even all be neutered, given vaccinations and flea and tick control. We like that the founder of the Beijing-based Good Dog, Good Cat Companion Center in China said, quote, I always believed that how people treat animals reflects how civilized their society is. Mm. They always, I like that even better than you can tell the heart of a person, you know, by the way they treat animals. Now, I just, I just want to, I just want to make sure I have this correct. So they love the cats in China and they, they, they honor them, but do they still eat dog in China? Um, I think in, in, in some parts, you know, it's more like, you know, that would happen in a a rural area. Uh, Okay. You know, and I have to say something about that comment that cats don't attack unless provoked. There's always an exception. I've had a cats that attack without any provocation at all. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that kid was And if you watch Cat from Hell, you've seen that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) My cat from Hell. Okay. Finally, you guys, I've got a fun fact for you just because I thought it was pretty amazing. We know that last year, Americans spent over $60 billion on their pets. Now, and uh, that is, of course, a number expected to increase by another $2 billion this year. But that is so much money. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get these large figures, somebody always has to do something with them. So, Aboto.com figured this out. They say that if you spent $20 every second, it would take you 95 years to spend 
that $60 billion that we collectively spent on our pets last year. Wow, that's incredible. By the way, I just, and this sort of relates, I just got this information in. This is information from um, uh, another research company, I forget who, it's cut off, unfortunately, on my sheet here. But it says how much it costs for your animals for a lifetime. How much will it cost? And it also has a calculator so that you can figure out how much it will cost for you to have your animal for a lifetime. To raise an animal from infancy to its... Yeah, and in a couple of minutes, I will I will divulge the information that they have right here. And if you want to see it yourself and you want to actually calculate how much your animal will cost, head on over to our Facebook page. Our calculator is up there, and you can find out how much dogs, cats, goldfish, rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs, tortoises, lizards, birds, chickens, how much they will cost for an entire lifetime over at our Facebook page. And then add an extra $2,000 just because you, my friend, I know, are a picky pet owner. <laughs> yeah, I spoil them a little more. I'm a little higher than average. I want you, in fact, between now and the next couple of 10 minutes or so, think about how much you spend on your animals. I'm going to ask you. Or how you much think? you will spend over their entire lifetime. But there you go. That's on the way. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news whenever you need it, anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hello, everyone. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio list, Back to School Pet Blues. I, like so many parents, are at the point of the year where we've enjoyed spending time with the kids, taking some trips, doing fun activities, and now I'm ready, even if they aren't, for the kids to go back to school. I do enjoy my time with them, and I wish summer could go on forever. Okay, maybe not. But while I'm relishing this glorious transition, I know that my pets are not. So on this week's list, I thought I'd share some ways to prepare for the back-to-school pet blues. First, keep in mind that your pets, dog, cat, bird, or even desert tortoises, have all enjoyed the extra time and attention that they've received because there's no after-school homework, strict bedtimes, or even that general feeling of just being free. Remember that our pets don't understand the subtlety of school being in session or out of session. They only know that they're getting the attention that they deserve. So as you transition into less time and more responsibilities, remember that your responsibility to your pets is to be aware of their needs and to accommodate them as much as possible during transitional times. Next, the time urgency means different routines in the morning. It can also mean more stress. Remember that our pets feed off of our energy levels and can manifest our stress in their bad behaviors. Remember those shoes or that beautiful chair that served as their stress relief last year? If you want to avoid that, change or modify some of the habits that you have that you see raising their stress level. It could be as simple as not getting ready with them in the room, or it might be having them in a separate area of the house when getting ready to leave. That familiarity of this is where I'm supposed to be when my human parents are leaving can be very calming. Also, communicate with your pets. No, don't turn every goodbye into a two-hour French movie drama, but acknowledge them and let them know you'll be back. I tell my pets I love them and I'll be back soon whenever I'm leaving. And for them, it's calming and reassuring. I also make sure that they're not following me to the door. This avoids two issues, one, the possibility of a quick escape or an attempt to go with me, and also the anxiety of the door closing them in. Another thing that works for many is to leave a TV or radio on so that they hear the chatter and voices and don't have that scary movie left home alone feeling all day. Additionally, consider leaving a t-shirt with your scent in their bed or near their resting area. Many times, the smell of their loved ones provides the comfort that they need to relax. 
In the end, it all comes down to the most important thing that any pet parent must do, and that is know your pet. Know what calms them and what stresses them out. Know what steps you can do to help them. And if you're not having the success you need, look to a professional for some advice. Share your back-to-school pet blues solutions on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of Petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, where we are just a little bit crazy about our animals. And many of us even cook for our own animals. And in fact, I know, Judy, you don't actually cook for your animals, but you, you'll put on uh, green beans and uh, peas, peas and sometimes some pumpkin and you, just add a dress bit. it up a little bit. Well, what I do is she she needs to lose a little weight. So I've been trying to pull back a little bit on the dog food itself and replace it with a healthy vegetable. Now, peas won't do that. Peas are a protein and they're actually higher in calories, I believe. Oh, but I thought peas were good. Green beans. I think she likes green beans. Those seem to be her favorite. And maybe there's some other vegetables that I can add to make her feel full without giving her all the calories. I bet there are. You know who we have on the phone right now is Mark Ching from the Pet Restaurant. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So are more and more people cooking for their animals? And what would be the reason for that? Well, I think a lot of people are choosing to cook nowadays because of the health benefits and some of the concerns with commercial type food diets and so you know there's so many issues with food nowadays in the pet industry and the regulation is not as stringent and so you know most of us consider our dogs and cats you know family and so uh, more and more people are wanting to control what they feed now we can't just willy-nilly pull things out of the refrigerator we got to create a balanced diet for our animals how do we do that well uh, I want to talk about a lot of people think that it's bad to feed human food, but they don't realize that kibble, which is dry food or whatever you're feeding, once was human food. And so it's more about knowing what to feed. The adage about not feeding human food, it's kind of like not feeding pizza or like a turkey sandwich or things like that. Uh, to balance the meals, you know, at the Petron, we teach people how to cook. Uh, it's much easier than you think. We recommend you picking a protein source. 
uh, trying to get it as lean as possible, uh, and using three vegetables. We, we here are more proponents of green vegetables, and we're kind of like anti-sugar. We don't really recommend tubers or carrots or things like that that have high starch and sugar content. And so if you're using a blend of vegetables, too, you kind of hit different vitamin categories that you wouldn't if you were just doing spinach and chicken or something like that. <clears throat> and so, but for people who have concerns, uh, we recommend multivitamins. Uh, there's so many of them now. We actually recommend human supplements, which sounds weird, but in the human supplement industry, there's so much regulation. You know, if you have a supplement that someone takes and they die from it, I mean, that company is instantly bankrupt and has lawsuits. In the animal industry, it's not like that. And so, you know, there's a supplement called Symmetry by Holy Organics. Uh, that's what most people here use. Uh, for omegas, uh, we recommend coconut oil. It's an inexpensive type of omega that you can add. If you have itching problems or something, then we would recommend probiotics and enzymes. But other than that, cooking is fairly simple. The only thing I do have to point out is that, you know, as the veterinarian here, um, there are published research studies, especially computer-generated um, models, where they've looked at home-cooked diets that a good majority of even veterinarians have recommended. And uh, for a good majority of those, you know, I think the research was 62% of them were vitamin deficient. Um, 86% wow. were deficient in minerals, 55% were low in protein. Um, taurine, which is incredibly important for cats, um, was low in 77%. And these were published ones. So I, wow. I just, I think home cooking has its place and it definitely can be a benefit, but it, it is something people, I don't advise for them just to say, here, I'm going to pick four ingredients, throw them together, give a multivitamin, we're good. What, uh, what human foods should we stay away from feeding our animals? Like I said, here we're a little different. We focus on health issues, and so we instruct people on how to cook and how to divide feeding protocols based on who their dog is, colitis, IBD, itching, diabetes, all type of things. If I just had to make a general statement, you know, we, we, we push towards green vegetables because the sugar content is much lower than if you're adding a carrot or things like that. The foods to stay away from, in our opinion, are things with weed, uh, corn-type foods. Uh, what about rice? Well, a lot of people use rice. Here, we only use rice if we're trying to lower the protein value for a kidney or liver issue. We really don't recommend rice. We look at it more as a filler. Other people believe differently, but we are more, we push more towards species-appropriate diets, so things that they would eat in the wild, even though they don't live in the wild, per se. But <clears throat> So we are not a big proponent for rice we have ladybug the uh, studio stunt dog who is 10 pounds and should be eight pounds she's a little <laughs> uh, uh, jack russell min pin mix and the doctor has said she needs to lose a couple of pounds what kind of additives <laughs> what, what should we do what do you what would be your uh, prescription mark well for a dog like that you know the diet i would recommend is you know, 50% meat and 50% green veggies like kale, spinach, zucchini. And to cook it, it's very simple. You just cut up the vegetables. Uh, you would add it in a pot with no lid, with just a little bit of water. Uh, the vegetables actually take a little longer to break down than the meat, and then you would add your meat after about after a minute, and you just cook it all together. Uh, a dog that size would eat about a third cup twice a day. And because it's lower in starch and more easily digestible, you would see the weight normalize. 
just on a diet like that, or we see that in my practice. Okay, so the third cup, I think that's where I mess up. <laughs> yeah, you do yeah, too much. I probably cup. do closer to maybe a half. So the the website is thepetrestaurant.com. What are we going to find over there? Well, our site's kind of built to like address you know ailments or certain conditions, and so you you more mostly find advice on how you know you can kind of take control using natural things to remedy certain situations or really to boost the immune system and keep your dogs healthy. Mark, thanks so much for hanging with us. We appreciate it. Mark Ching, the owner of thepetrestaurant.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 13th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Along with media sponsor Animal Radio, the tour travels down America's favorite highway from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events with the help of companion sponsor Zymox, cat food sponsor Cadet, hotel sponsor My Place Hotels, campground sponsor KOA, advocate sponsors Sure Pet Care and Home Again, Tito's Vodka for Dog People, and embrace pet insurance the tour has helped place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes in the first 12 years community sponsors hands-on gloves brutus bone broth buddy belts and dog tv go along for the ride while we bring our giant spinning wheel filled with prizes you can win log on to fidofriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you and who knows you just might find your new forever friend Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Many people think when they get an animal that it won't be that expensive. It may be a few thousand dollars total through their entire lifetime. And we have a brand new survey. This hour, we'll release all that information for you. it tell you how much... It costs for a dog and a cat and a goldfish, rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs, tortoises, lizards, birds, chickens. If you have any one of these animals or you're thinking of getting one of these animals, we'll tell you how much it will cost for their lifetime. And I bet the dog's the most expensive. That's Uh, my guess. That would be uh, incorrect. Incorrect. The dog's not the most expensive out of all those animals. I'm not going to give it away now. I don't want to give it away. It's coming up this hour. And if you want to learn how much your animal is going to cost and do work with our interactive calculator, we have it over at our Facebook page. <laughs> because some of us spend more on our animals than others. You right. know, This is average. Some of us, you know, we do the Friskies diets for our cats. I and know you don't do that. I don't no. do that. I know you don't. It's interesting because they, they show the average on cats. They say that uh, the, the amount that you would spend a month is $35 on food for a month. Average on a cat. And, hell, I do that in a week. Yeah. I think that's un- <laughs> and I think most people do spend more money on food than for a lot of other items. But yep. there's still, like, the toys, the bedding, the activities, if your dog's in different activities. And vet care. Vet care. Yeah. yeah, you don't even need to worry about vet care, do you, Doc? <laughs> See, but but I, th- I think a lot of these studies are very surprising because people assume it's all about the people spend money on, on the vet care. And it isn't always that. It's actually the, the bigger costs go towards all these other things. Well, you will be surprised to find out what the most expensive animal is, I guarantee. And that's coming up this hour. Also, along with Rick O'Berry. Who is Rick O'Berry, you say? He was the trainer of Flipper. You remember the uh, show during, what was the 70s, I guess? 
Flip was it late sixties, early seventies? Yeah, late sixties. It was black 60s. and white, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? it was sixties. Yeah. yeah, and uh, apparently this trainer who has made millions through training these animals and could have had a spectacular career at SeaWorld has oh, yeah. turned the opposite way and is anti-training, anti-captivity, and I want to find out why. I think I know why, but I want to find yeah, out what why. What made him change his tune? That's coming up this hour right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Oh, gosh. I've got so much stuff today, but this, um, I think, is pretty funny. There's a big survey of what would you do if the house were on fire? Would you grab your dog or would you grab your grandmother's quilt? You know, that. And then and then they pitted dog owners against cat owners. So we're going to find out the bottom line here. Is it a dog owner or a cat owner? That is more likely to choose their pet over their significant other. <laughs> There's a whole lot of fun things, but that's kind of the, the cherry on top. I got to tell you, I would do almost anything for my cat. I would. And including okay. probably losing a limb. Yeah, I would. I would do the same for my dog. Yeah. Yep. Well, you'll see if other people feel the same because they... they put some way out questions on this survey but it's interesting okay that's on the way in just a couple of minutes but first your calls with dr debbie and joey volani and let's go to julie hey julie how are you i'm fine nice to hear you there yeah so where are you where do you live i live near the reading in the weu area oh reading pennsylvania well thank you so much so what's going on okay i always get concerns when I hear people talk about cloning an animal that they love very much sure. or getting one that looks just like the one they love very much, and I think it's not fair to the new animal. Tell us why. Well, every animal I've had, and I've had a lot, uh, they all have different traits and different characteristics, and they relate to you differently, and... Uh, their sweet little ways are different and everything. And I'm afraid that if people are expecting this animal to suddenly be just like the other one because it looks like it, that they're going to be feeling disappointment, which in turn is going to be felt by the animal. And I just, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a slippery slope. You know what, I, I feel a lot of the same sentiments that you do um, in, in one way, and that is that I, I often see my clients that will have a white, fluffy Bichon, and then the next one is the next one, and then they get a third one. And through the years, over the decades, you know, they're named the same name. They look the same. They're the same sex. So for me, I have a hard time understanding that, that I never would want to replace my one pet with one that looks like it, expecting it to be the same. Because I think that, you know, people wouldn't do that with their kids, expecting every child to act the same. But I think people, in the way I rationalize this, some people really find an affinity for a breed or a male or a female, and they know what they like. And the naming, I don't, I don't quite get that. But why they keep going back to the same name, I don't understand. Um, but I, I can definitely understand why some people are compelled to clone because they know what type they like or what characteristics they like. And um, for my... But as long as they're not expecting that animal to be the same. 
in the behavior. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point. Is that you know cloning is basically the same as like having twins or triplets. They have the same genetic makeup. It doesn't make them the same person or the same animal. So they're going to react as an individual, and that's a combination of environment and genetics and and exposure with time. So, yeah, you're right. You know, it isn't fair if someone says, "I want this dog because I want it to act like the last dog I had." But if you like a dog that says really adept in agility, and it's a you know mixed breed dog, you're never going to recreate it. I can understand the goal and the interest in trying to recreate something that is never going to happen again in nature. But as long as、um, they understand that. Yeah, yeah, and and you get the feeling that you know、uh, that's not the direction that cloning is presented as、uh, you know to the people. I think it depends on the person.、Um, can they make that adjustment to? It looks like my friend, but this is a totally new, unique animal, and we're going to learn all about this one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with you. I, I've loved every critter I've had, and the, the joy for me has been discovering each animal along the way and what makes them tick.、Um, I don't want to relive the same animal over life, my lifespan, because I, I, I think I'd probably want to cut out certain parts of those yeah, accidents or, or mishaps along the way. But、um, I, I find that a lot of fun about getting a new pet and just finding out the adventure together. Just so they're not. Making the animal feel like they're disappointed in them, you know.、Mm-hmm. Yeah,、um, no. yeah. You can't have expectations, is what you're saying. You can't have the same expectations of the animal as you had the other one. It's like human identical twins. You wouldn't treat、mm-hmm. them as they're, they're they're individuals, and they probably have different tastes and different desires, right? Right. Absolutely. But it, it's just the animal can sense if you're feeling negative. Yes.、And、Absolutely. I just hope people. Give that a good thought. Can they make that adjustment? Yeah. So, Julie, I take it you would never clone a pet. Oh no, no. And、uh, like on uh, dogs, uh, I would never get anything that looked. I adopt、uh, anything that resembled ones I've had. And unfortunately, with feral cats, I mean, I've been rescuing ferals for like thirty-five years, and it's whatever crosses my path. So <laughs> I don't really have a choice there. But I found, like right now, I have three that、um, two of them strongly resemble pets I had 20 years ago, and one behavior-wise doesn't look like it, but behavior-wise has so many traits of another one. And I find every so often I will call them the wrong name. <laughs> I, I catch myself as soon as I do it. But what is what in my subconscious is making me call? The first one's name. Something's there. Some some common similarity in their behavior、um, or their appearance. Yeah. But I didn't. I don't expect them to act like it. The one that does, that's just purely accident. But、um, yeah. I don't expect that. And I think it'll be interesting to see because I think cloning. You know, until we hear more and more. Head owners that actually have gone through it, and you know we can hear how their experiences are.、Um, I think you know we are kind of speculating. We know that they're different、um, individuals, and、um, you would expect they're not going to be identical in behavior. Maybe some of their tendencies might be similar, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Well, do you think they might do that with show dogs that are really good if they want them to physically be the same? 
You know, I don't know, but from what I understand, the AKC at this point does not um, accept cloning cloned pets oh, um, good. into their into their mix. But I, I think they have to really look at it and see how it's going to affect if if they're going to do this or not. Is that because animals that uh, uh, have congenital problems, if they're if they're cloned, the clone can also have those congenital problems? Well, you I mean any animal with any genetics? If you either they reproduce naturally or cloning, yes, we're 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 passing on that potential. I don't know if that's the stance on any, you know, AKC or whatever, but um, so yeah, there, there's that same potential just as, you know, if you bred two dogs um, that had hip dysplasia, yeah, they could have, um, the offspring could have hip dysplasia. Mm, okay. Julie, thank you so much for calling. I think. Okay, well, thank you very much. And thank you so much for listening. Call anytime you want. We appreciate hearing from all of you from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Alan Cable with real dogs doing amazing things. This one only weighs 10 pounds. Me and my little sister were making mud pies, and I hear a hiss and a rattle, and I look down, and there's a snake. These two kids were inches away from a venomous rattlesnake. He was already curled up. He was coiled and ready to strike, and he tried to, but his bite missed its mark. Taiko, he got in front of me, and the snake bit him. This little 10-pound dog took a rattlesnake bite in his right eye. I mean, he saved her life. This family is so thankful. Well, all they can do now is wait for the swelling to go down to see if the dog's eye will be okay. Another amazing story out of Baltimore when police were called about a vicious pit bull. Folks said he was terrorizing the neighborhood. The officer who responded is a dog lover, and he followed the pit bull into an alley. All the dog wanted to do was lick him. The officer got into the back of the patrol car with the dog, and they drove him to the shelter, but when they got there, he couldn't turn the dog in. He brought the dog home to his other two dogs, and they all seemed to be getting along just fine. This is Animal Radio. Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And if you're like me, and you're probably not, and you should be thankful, but if you're like <laughs> me, you spent much of your youth watching Bewitched and Flipper. Those were, oh, yes. Those are my big shows. <laughs> and, well, of course, Flipper. The uh, trainer, Rick O'Berry, is joining us. Hi, Rick. How are you doing? Well, I'm actually uh, recovering, Dolphin Trainer. Yeah, that's actually recovering. why we have you on the phone. <laughs> recovering is very important. To How many Flippers were there, by the way? There were five. There were five. And you now have done a 180. You believe that what you were doing in the training was, was a big mistake, huh? Yeah, yeah. Dolphins don't really need to be trained at all. They, they've been around... Uh, complete and perfect uh, for 65 million years. They don't need me to train them to be dolphins. What was the turnaround? I understand that one of the flippers died in your arms. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. The one that I thought of as flipper, we we had five, five females, but one of them was used 90% of the time. And that would be Kathy, who I thought of as flipper. And was that an epiphany for you then, or did it come much later when you, you, you decided maybe they shouldn't be trained? 
Well, it wasn't an epiphany. It was uh, a breaking point, you might say. I, I, I knew for several months before then, a year actually, or more, that didn't belong in captivity, but I didn't do anything about it until then. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, you might say. I decided I was going to try to free as many dolphins as I could. And the first one was right across the Gulf Stream at a Lerner Marine Laboratory. Uh, Lerner Dress Shops actually owned it. It used to be a popular dress Oh, Lerner's, shop. yes. Uh-huh. And so they had this uh, marine laboratory that was like a tax write-off in the Bahamas. And actually, there were several dolphins there that I helped capture. Uh, mm. We were at the Miami Seacore, and we brought them over there. But only one was still alive. His name was Charlie Brown. And I tried to free him and was not successful. Ended up in jail. And that was Earth Day, 1970, mm. the first Earth Day. Coincidentally, it wasn't planned that way, but that's that's how it turned out. And I've been doing it ever since. That was like 50-something years ago. And uh, I found a better way to uh, rehabilitate them and release them back in the wild, uh, besides just cutting the fence. So when you... Uh... You knew that something was awry. I mean, you, you obviously have a very close communication with these animals, these dolphins. What was it that they did that you had a sense that they should not be in captivity? It's real obvious if you're paying attention. And, and I was paying attention because unlike all the other dolphin trainers on the planet, I didn't go home at 5 o'clock when the place closed. I lived there. And so I was living with them for seven years, and I got to know them very, very well. And when you know them, you know that they don't belong in captivity, that it's a failed experiment. Uh, This is all about money and only about money. And we couch it in as education and research and science and all that nonsense. But it's really about money and only money. So I, I was aware of that at that point. It wasn't that way when I started, but towards the end of the TV series, I knew that. And I could have stayed. I could have stayed with that industry. SeaWorld hadn't been formed yet. Uh, you know, I could have gone on and been probably the head trainer, vice president maybe of SeaWorld, or started my own dolphinarium in the Bahamas and be making $10 million a year. But I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Well, but there was a there was a period that you were sleeping at night, though, that you knew it was wrong and that you, you continued to do that, though, right? No, not really. When I when I became aware that they didn't belong in captivity, I didn't sleep well at night. Okay. Actually. I did before that. You have to remember when I when I started working at the Miami Sea Aquarium, Flipper TV show came along, and I was assigned to work there. I had just I was twenty years old. Mm-hmm. I just gotten out of five years of the military, where you are brainwashed into not questioning authority. You don't ask, you know, it's not like I'm the same guy I was today. I was a 20-year-old just out of the military, trained to take orders. A few years, I was making very good money. I was driving a new Porsche every year. But I was faced with the reality that this was wrong. I didn't do anything about it, as I say, until Earth Day 1970. Mm -hmm. It's it's a real conundrum still with, like, zoos, not just dolphins, but with zoos and elephants and all these animals that... In captivity. That are in captivity. But, you know, I could see both sides. I would have never have seen these animals up close unless they were in a venue where I could. And I may not have made the connection with these animals unless I had seen them up close. Do you understand that? No, of course I do, and 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 that's one of the arguments that I still debate with that in, industry and in the media, and and that's one. Of you the, know how I solve that argument though? 
I, I have recently found, I think it's explore.org, and I'm a big fan of orcas. And so, and they have got, and bald eagles, and so you can watch at explore.org. They have all of these online cams. And just the other day, I, I was watching orcas go through a cove at uh, the Orca Base headquarters up in British Columbia. And that was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's still two-dimensional. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, that's the, one of the arguments. These children here in the ghetto would never be able to see a dolphin if they didn't go to Coney Island and, and see a beluga whale. Mm-hmm. Well, these same children are never going to see a snow leopard. Does that mean we have to go to the Himalayas and drag a snow leopard into the room for them? That's no. a good point. Yep. Do we teach our children to control their desires, which I think is the key to solving all of our uh, environmental problems? So you can't always get what you want. The, the kids don't have to see dolphins performing in a building. As a matter of fact, it's a form of bad education. I commend you, and I stand up and salute you right now for what you've done, not only what you're doing now, but what you've done in the past before it was really, as you mentioned, brought to anybody's attention. And I encourage listeners to check out your website, dolphinproject.net, to learn a little more about your mission. And I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. And good for him. And you know what? I totally relate with him. When I was 20 years old, I was a real <laughs> idiot. No, me too. Check out the website, dolphinproject.net. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to redbarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, there's a new list out of the most and least pet-friendly cities in the United States, thanks to Wallet Hub. In order to identify the cities where our furry and feathered and scaled friends can all enjoy the best quality of life without breaking our wallets, Wallet Hub compared the creature friendliness of the 100 largest cities based on 19 key criteria. And here is some of what they found. First, uh, we'll start off with the big list. The top 10 most pet-friendly cities are, and we'll start at number 10 and go up the list. Number 10 is St. Louis. Las Vegas is number 9, Dr. Debbie. In eighth place, it's Cincinnati. Colorado Springs is number seven. In sixth place is Reno, Nevada. In the top five, number five is Scottsdale, Arizona. Then Lexington, Kentucky snags fourth place. Tampa is the third pet-friendliest pet city in the country. And Birmingham, Alabama is second while taking the title of the number one pet-friendliest city in the country is Orlando. Wow. Kind of nice to know. Yeah, because so many people vacation there. Orlando, by the way, also has the highest number of veterinarians and pet businesses overall 
per every 100,000 people who live there. Hmm. Now, let's look at some other things. On the flip side of this analysis, the cities on the bottom of the list that would be the least pet-friendly cities, uh, Joey would hate this, Jersey City comes in at number 91. Getting worse, just below Jersey City is Chicago, then Los Angeles, Anaheim, home to Disneyland, Newark, New Jersey's at number five, Philadelphia, worse yet, at number 96, then Detroit is 97 on the list, Boston is 98, Santa Ana, California, and then at 100 of the pet-friendly city list, the worst, New York City. That's kind of scary, our biggest city, and it's the worst. Now, some other things that we learned, Stockton, California, has the lowest veterinary care cost in the country. At less than $33 per visit, while New York, if you were going to take your pet in for an office visit, 86 bucks to just walk in the door. St. Paul, Minnesota has the lowest dog insurance premium rate, less than 22 bucks a month, not bad. That's about two and a half times less than in New York, the city with the Highest pet insurance premium at usually more than $53 a month if you live in the big city. New Orleans has the highest number of pet-friendly restaurants. And when it comes to animal shelters, Scottsdale, Arizona has the highest number of animal shelters per 100,000 residents. The city with the least number of shelters for its residents is Detroit. Kind of sad. Well, the owner of a French bulldog that went missing in Northern California over the summer is now offering a huge reward for information leading to the safe return of her six-year-old dog named Sassy Pants. The dog disappeared from Novato. That's in Marin County. Back in June when she broke away from her dog sitter to go chase after a squirrel. And they never saw her again. Sassy Pants' owner even hired a pet detective and two animal communicators, both of whom told her they believe that the dog is still alive. Now, this frustrated and very heartbroken pet parent is offering a $10,000 reward for the safe return of her fur kid. Unfortunately, she says that she's not ruling out foul play just yet because three times she's returned to the area where Sassy Pants disappeared and put up dozens of, you know, these lost dog flyers only to return and have seen all of them torn down, which raised suspicions because, you know, why would somebody do that? Sassy's mom says it's almost like someone is keeping her and doesn't want the attention, but she says she is not giving up. Anyone who has information on Sassy Pants, the French Bulldog, can email findsassypants at yahoo.com. And the battle between pets rages on. In fact, it might have gotten a little bit out of hand with this one. But both sides do agree that having a dog or cat means more than just having something to cuddle with, since more and more of us view our fur children as a part of the family. So just how far would pet owners go to protect their dogs and cats? Well, the writers over at Aboto.com, they deal with uh, properties and rentals that will take pets. They survey 2,000 people to find out who took their role as pet parents seriously and who just wanted an animal around for companionship. Well, they found nearly 9 out of 10 said that they would save their pet from a fire before running into a burning building to save a family heirloom. 58% said they would pick having their pet over ever having their dream home. 63% would choose their pet over their significant other if they had to choose. More than half would rather resort to cannibalism before eating their own pet. 
That's a bad thought. Yes. Uh, 25% said they would lose a limb for their cat or dog if it would save them. 54% said they would lose a finger so a pet could keep a leg. 69% would keep their pet even if they were offered a blank check for it. That's pretty amazing. Dog owners, by the way, if you're a dog or a cat person, dog owners, you, they say, most likely to keep your fur baby and live in a shack rather than give up the pet for your dream home or give up the Internet forever to keep your pet and jump into boiling water to save your dog. Cat owners, they found, were more likely to choose their cat over their significant other and the cat owners over the dog owners were more <laughs> likely to have their fur child designated world's most ugliest in exchange for a million bucks <laughs> would you do that Hal? i i, I don't know cat guy. I, yeah. I definitely would kick my spouse to the road though uh it, if it was the cat or my spouse certainly <gasps> i'm just saying so i, I fit into that survey Somewhere there. I hope your wife's not listening. <laughs> she never does. I'm Lori Brooks. <laughs> Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. All in, yes, sir. Stand back. We don't know how big this show gets. Let's talk to Dale. Hey, Dale, how are you? Hi. I've got a um, a boxer pup. It's about oh, 15 months old, and um, some friends of ours is over, and they had a an Akita puppy, and they were playing pretty rough. And the Akita puppy ran literally just ran right into the boxer pup and pushed him into a cabinet, and. Uh, and they started favoring his front right leg for quite a while. And, um, you know, I, I laid him down and I kind of uh, felt his leg and checked to see if there was any fractures or anything that I could feel of. Couldn't mm-hmm. feel, you know, feel anything. And there was normal movement in an up and down, you know, in a normal position on the leg. So the next day we take him to the vet just to make sure there wasn't a, a uh, simple fracture. They didn't show anything on the x-ray. But to this day, this was... Uh, several months back and to this day he'll be he'll favor the leg on occasion but then when it's almost like when he's uh he just has a a moment where he'll just he'll run and play like there's nothing wrong with it i can't figure out why he keeps favoring it and my vet can't figure it out either yeah, that is a bit of a strange um, presentation for a limping problem. And when you talk about a young dog, especially a young large breed dog, a couple things come to mind of types of growth problems that can occur and that can cause a, a limping problem, especially an on-again, off-again problem. They're not always typically preceded by an injury. So that kind of confuses the history here a little bit for your baby. But there are some weird conditions. There's one called OCD and another called panosteitis. And they're they're common in young, uh, large breed dogs. And they're a little bit harder to find because they're not really as obvious as a fracture. Um, so I might uh, say that in your situation, I would encourage maybe a follow-up x-ray and see if there's any changes between those. Um, see if we can see if there's some subtle change with the cartilage that maybe is sheared off a defect, something that could explain that persistent pain. Because, yeah, if nothing's broken and he's a youngster, I'm, like, I can't make up any other real good reasons why he should be having a problem in that regard. Right. And I, I didn't know if it I might get, be like a bone bruise or something. 
you know, on a, on a green bone that's still growing. I didn't know if there could be such a thing like a bone bruise. Well, they can get bone uh, cysts and kind of like inclusion cysts inside the, the parts of the long bones. And that might not be something that was readily apparent the first time, you know, right after the injury. But it, that's where, like, shooting another x-ray at this point might be worthwhile to see. Because you can get changes like that um, in a bone after some kind of injury. So, yeah, I mean, I think that would probably be the best thing I'd encourage it is to just take another peek at it. And then um, has your has your puppy been on any kind of pain relief? Did they prescribe any? anti-inflammatory of any sort yeah an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. okay, and, good. Uh, so it's crazy because after we put him on the anti-inflammatory you know i mean he still kind of favored it for a little while but then you know he'd be laying down and then this, the next thing we know you know he'll he'll see something he'll jump up and run around like it's it's nothing you know so i don't know if, he, if it's, it's you know it's like i uh, told my wife it's, i wonder if he just he's doing it for a sympathy trip <laughs> well, I always say, never underestimate the power uh, of adrenaline, uh-huh. especially in a young dog, because I, I have dogs come to my office, and they may be limping, not walking at home, and they come in, and their tails wagging, and they're dancing around. So that once that adrenaline kicks in, boy, yeah, that limp can kind of fade away, and, uh, you know, they may be thinking about the rabbit they're chasing. Or so. Can you actually train your dog to limp, uh, I mean, give them, no, seriously. Oh, sure, I you would could. think that if, if they get the sympathy vote when they're limping, that they might actually do that. Even you know, maybe, I could go to, maybe I could go to Hollywood. We could, they might need a limping dog and <laughs> we could get him a movie role. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad Self-Cleaning Puppy Pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. This is Animal Radio. Okay, so, Joey, how much do you think it costs for you to keep your bird for uh, its entire life? Gurney, Gurney the bird, who's right now, what, 40 years Ooh. old? 40 years old? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in the ballpark, yeah. How, so, you, how um, much have you spent up to 40, and how much do you expect to spend for the rest of her life, total? You know what, I... I I don't have a clue. Um, I've never even gave that any thought. You know what? You may be. I may be getting rid of her um, when I find out this number. <laughs> you would never. Take a guess. Just take a wild guess. Fifty thousand. Wow, that would be on the high end. And Very actually, high end. Birds not one of the most expensive animals to own during a lifetime. According to this new survey, it would cost you approximately eleven thousand dollars for the entire life of your bird. Now, yes, that was in damages that she did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was that was just in damages. I mean, come on. Yeah, you can't compare a parakeet with a cockatoo. No, I you mean, certainly they can't. Don't, that's kind of, that's too broad. This is very general, and I, yeah. I will tell you that if you go to our Facebook page, you will see this infographic, and at the bottom of the infographic, there's a link that will take you so that you can actually calculate your own animal, because you may be like us. We spend a little more on our animals. We give them a little more treats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's talk dogs for a second. Lori, how much do you think it costs for uh, one of your bulldogs for an entire life? Um, oh goodness, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is average. Bulldog. Uh, average bulldog. Okay, then yes. I'll deduct about five thousand um, dollars. I don't know. I've, I guess 
probably seven, eight thousand dollars for an entire lifetime. That's what I was guessing mm-hmm. about eight thousand. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that off? How, how much do you think your dog costs for its entire, for, for its lifetime. entire lifetime, Doc? And <sighs> you should probably have a fairly accurate guess, I would think, because you're a uh, put her on the spot. Well, you're a vet, and you know that. <laughs> Okay, but it's hard for me to calculate because there's the inherent, I don't spend money on my pet's medical care. I've spent, um, one of my former dogs, I've spent, um, you know, easily five grand um, on her in the last few years with a specialist. You know, even though I don't spend money on the routine stuff because I do it myself or my husband does it, um, there's still that other type. I have no idea. I, I really, I do, I can tell you, I spend more on my dog's daycare than I do on um, my house cleaners. <laughs> so, wow! If if that means anything per month, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to take a stab or a just, guess? Just, just a, just a guess. wild guess. Let's just I I can't even. I'm gonna say probably sixty thousand. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is very off. In fact, your average dog, and this is mm-hmm. average again, will cost you between twenty three and twenty five thousand oh. dollars for their entire lifetime. Wow. We are way off. Wow. That's three times more. Wow. You know what? I think it all goes to show that, that we just are really clueless, that we just keep <laughs> doing it and doing it. <laughs> it's not until we really stop and think and go, I don't wow. want to add it up. Now, I have a real dome scratcher for you. I'm looking at this list here. It includes dogs, cats, goldfish, rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs, tortoises, lizards, birds, and chickens. Uh, chickens, by the way, uh, 62, 62 to $6,500 a year. No, for I mean, life. for a lifetime. Yeah. But uh, I'm a cat lover. I love my cats. And this particular survey says that it will be about $16,000 for a life of a cat. And I can tell you that I will actually probably spend more, like $25,000, $30,000. You know, I'm thinking some of the medical fees. I guess I've already yeah. spent 6000 on my dog's legs. Yes, and she's, yes. She's only eight. So. That is correct. Yeah. You've so got a uh, bionic dog is what yeah. you've got. Um. Uh, and then they have on this survey, they have goldfish, which is interesting. Your average goldfish is about 1000 to $1,500 for their lifetime. But goldfish only lasts a couple months. Rabbits, about $8,600. Hamsters, about $1,500. Guinea pigs, about $5,000. And here's one for you. The, the thing that really is the dome scratcher is what topped the list of all of these animals. The most expensive animal. The most expensive animal is... Was? Tortoises come in as the highest on this list. The highest. The highest. I was going to say the lowest. At about thirty-three to thirty-five thousand dollars in their entire what lifetime. What could you spend on a tortoise that would cost that? Well, they much? have a long life. They do have a long yeah, life. Yeah, but they eat vegetables and stuff. I mean, do you take your tortoise to the vet a lot? They hibernate, don't they? And that's probably on the low end, according wow. to, to what these. That's shocking. Why? Why, <laughs> Why would that okay. be? Well, I do know I, we have some clients at my office that they actually raise um, special species of tortoises, and they can cost thousands of dollars just to purchase the tortoise. Oh. So, you know, if you're looking at what you pay for them, you know, and then there might be, you know, veterinary care, especially exotic specialized veterinary care can be quite expensive when we start talking about doing things like uh, endoscopy, you know, to spay or neuter a tortoise, um, or if they need diagnostics when they these kind of critters don't tell us a whole lot. Sometimes we have to rely on more tests. So um, I, I can see that, but I am a little bit shocked it is the tortoise, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, I would not have expected that. Looking at the breakdown on the tortoises, it looks like, first of all, insurance, because insurance is included in all of these. 
and insurance for a tortoise is fairly high. Substrate. I guess they have to have some kind of substrate. It depends on what they're living on um, if they're out. Because out here in Las Vegas, we have outdoor tortoises. So they're the desert tortoises. So they may live indoors, but most commonly they're outside. But you have to dig fencing. You have to dig burrows. um, So there's different types of environment changes you have to do, but it's not necessarily always buying something. Well, I encourage listeners to go check this out at our Facebook page, and you can calculate your own animals, because some of us spoil our animals more, and I, I as I mentioned earlier, for, for my cats, I spend a lot more on their food and their litter, so uh, you can figure out how much it costs, and then, you know, if you're planning on getting an animal, certainly do the research first. We love them, and that's, well, that's why we do this show, because we're just a little bit crazy about our animals, and we hope you are, too, and we hope that you'll uh, take them right now for a walk. Get them out and spend some time because the best present you can give your animals is your time. And we'll be back for more Animal Radio next week. Don't forget to download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ka-ching. This is Animal Radio Network. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306.